afternoon, Marlene. Very happy to have you on the show. I wanted to invite you because you have a very impressive track record with all of your companies. The first one I got in touch with was Gold Republic. Listeners already got in touch with Bart Brands a few episodes earlier. To me, it is really impressive that you are facilitating the fact that we people can own gold, something so valuable, something almost magical. And I wanted to get to know you a bit better and maybe you can tell about, because you've owned four companies, if you can elaborate four, right? I, I own three companies. Oh, I don't three, know other companies, <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> we'll discover that later. Could you picture a timeline of where did Marlene started until now with your companies? Yeah, of course. I became a digital assets entrepreneur in 2010, which is almost, well, it's about 13 years ago. I started my first company after a career at Optiver, which is a large derivatives trading company, active worldwide. In my last position, I was the managing director of the U.S. trading activities. So I was living in Chicago, had a great time over there. But when I resigned, I had to return back to the Netherlands and figure out what I was going to do. And decided to become an entrepreneur mainly because I had a non-compete. I had a heavy non-compete, which I was well paid for, but unable to continue working in the derivatives industry for derivatives trading industry for a year worldwide. So my plan actually was to start something. In the meantime, I felt too young. I was too, I was only 30 years old, so I, I didn't want to sit still or just take a holiday. So I decided to spend time in setting up something new with the intention to hand it over to someone at the time I was able to continue my work in the derivatives trading again. So I started Gold Republic. This was 2010. There was a heavy demand for physical gold at that time as well, just as it is now. And yeah, turnover went through the roof. It became very busy immediately the first year. So it took a while before I wanted to, to move on to the derivatives trading, which was in 2013. But then by that time, my co-founder decided to stop as well. So that was actually the second time where I had to decide, okay, what am I going to do? Am I to be an entrepreneur or work and be employed again? And due to this leaving, I decided to continue and the rest is history. So, so I'm still the, yeah, the major shareholder of Gold Republic, beautiful company in a strange industry, to be honest. Because gold has some has certain characteristics which are linked to, unfortunately, on one side linked to to the love side when we marry or when we do nice things we hand over each other gold and jewelry etc. But when we invest in gold, we generally do that in difficult times, times of high inflation, times of war, all scary things, and that's when the demand of gold picks up. So that's Gold Republic. Then in 2016, I started my second company, An Exchange, which is a full digital securities exchange, fully regulated. And in 2021, we acquired Bondex, a small platform, which is a SaaS solution for companies that want to raise capital on their own, from out of their own name. But they use the Bondex software to, to do that. So it's all about digital assets. Gold Republic is about gold. 
And exchange and bond are about securities, so shares and bonds. All digitized, tradable 24-7, and generally there are assets that are not very easy to invest in as being a small investor. So assets that are not accessible, like physical gold, investment-grade gold, or startup portfolios, venture capital in this, in this case, private equity, those type of investments are available through our platforms for the small-time investor as well, small-time and big-time investors. Interesting. I think the the, the fourth I, I thought of, I heard of, was in the podcast from An Exchange. Okay. Uh, th- that had some l- legal stuff going on. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, you're right. Oh, I'm uh, glad that my newest. preparation was all right. <laughs> yeah, that's our newest innovation. So what we have, so in uh, in every platform, you need to make sure that you make things as scalable as possible. And there's one place where that often is difficult when you onboard companies and issue shares on behalf of these companies, and that's the notary function. Every company has a different structure. Every company has different shareholder agreements. Every company has. There there are multiple things that you can think of that are not uniform. So we decided to set up a notary ourselves, which is called the digital notary, and make sure that companies that are getting through that digital notary are perfectly structured for raising capital in the future, for protecting the founders as well. We often see a lot of startups that, yeah, have maneuvered themselves in difficult situations with with shareholders, with shareholder agreements. So yeah, this this structure of the digital notary that sets up an entity, a legal entity, and makes it possible to issue and trade shares. Yeah, that's our newest company, but it's not live yet. So you have you have very soon in in Dutch. I I forgot what the English Interesting. Let's call it a scoop. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. So a very broad spectrum of companies, if I if I can say that. I mean, gold, a, a legal aspect, security, like you you called it. How? Because you you said when you quit at Optivera was the name, right? Yeah. Yeah. You wondered, am I going to get a job or continue being an entrepreneur? That that is quite a question. Yeah. How did you know? that you were able to be an entrepreneur. But, but I mean, it's a quite a different mindset, right? Yeah, true. But my, I think I always had the entrepreneurial spirit. I've been entrepreneuring since I was young. I sold everything that I could possibly sell. I always was busy with setting up small projects. My first entrepreneurship was, real entrepreneurship was actually seven bars and restaurants in a, a group of seven bars and restaurants in which I borrowed money and invested in to become a shareholder. I have always been doing side entrepreneurship. It never was my main income stream, but I was used to it and I knew what it what it would take to, to do that. And I have to be honest, I never, for me, it doesn't really matter whether I work for a boss or whether I'm an entrepreneur. I think what is very important in any of the cases is that I, I am independent. And in certain cases, when you work for a company or work for a boss, you're not independent. But there are definitely examples of companies where you get a lot of trust and where you get a lot of tools to develop yourself and to undertake what you need. There are also companies that don't offer that. Optifair definitely was such a company. On the opposite, if you are an entrepreneur 
and you're not successful, or you have a majority shareholder that determines a lot of the direction of your company, or you have an ongoing, ongoing funding need or whatsoever, then you might be an entrepreneur on paper, but you are still not independent. You cannot still freely take decisions because you have this thing hanging around you that you have to take into account when you work. So I think for me, the total freedom to be able to decide what I want to do, how I want to do it, that is what matters to me. And whether that's in an, ent- in an entrepreneurial environment or for a company, that doesn't really matter to me. Interesting. That requires some self-knowledge to to first recognize that you need that independence, but also that you can that you can carry that independence, right? Yeah. 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 I, I and it's yeah, that you can carry that independence, but you, that you also enjoy carrying it. So I think a lot of people can carry independence. If you have to, you have no other choice, right? But mm-hmm. that you enjoy doing that. Because independence also means taking decisions on your own, oftentimes being the, the final person that has to say left or right, sometimes deal with insecure decision making, you don't know the outcome. Yeah, that is also, that also, <laughs> you have to be a bit, yeah, you have to be totally okay to accept that and trust that it will become okay eventually. So uh, I agree. Interesting. Is that something that was supported when you were in your youth? I mean, yeah. Yes, on one side it was, but my dad, which is my who is my best friend and my biggest advisor and my biggest example as well, he had one bad habit. He, when it tended to become difficult, he would take stuff away from me to protect me from it. It was done out of love. But it certainly wasn't what I needed, I think, to become good. And so I think around the age of 22, I decided to still love him (laughs) for what he did or whatever, but to not accept any financial help or any, I, I, I advised, I took his advice, but to really be able to decide for myself without him being able to step in when it become difficult. So that was a conscious choice. So yes, they stimulated me to undertake new things, but they could have basically yeah, experience, let me experience also the difficult side of, of, of things a bit more if I was them. So that's what I, yeah, that's definitely what I learned. Interesting that you made that conscious decision at such a, such a young age. I think that's quite mature for somebody in their early 20s. Do, do you have entrepreneurial family members? Is, is it something in your DNA or do you think that it had to be taught to you? No, my father is, an entrep- is partly an entrepreneur. So he, he is, is always inventuring things apart from what he was doing in his next to his real life job so in his real life job he privatized companies basically made public companies private again but next to that he he did a lot of venturing general all kinds of different things that definitely was an example he didn't sit still at all interesting did you think that do you think that has had big impact on the way you behave as an entrepreneur right now yeah yeah i think so I think so. I, I but I also think it's more. It's it's in your core DNA. It's 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 something that you. So I have two older brothers, for example, 
who are not entrepreneurs. By the way, my, 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 my middle brother is an entrepreneur as well. But we're totally different. So it is also something that you, I don't know, I think it's part, part nurturing, but it's also definitely a part nature. It's there or it's not. You have to like it. It's not, it's not an easy job, to be honest. No, I can imagine. Yeah, like you said, you have to be accountable for everything that comes, uh, that comes your way. Everything is on you. And I can imagine that can be tough at times. Have you experienced yourself? Not yet. I never thought I could do it. So I started this podcast as, as a beginning in my entrepreneurial journey. I want to grow a personal brand. And out of that, I want to sell a product. So yeah, it is definitely on my agenda. But that's, that's partially why I invited you because you are doing it. And I want to learn from people who are doing it. And I try to learn from the distinction of people who are functioning better in a job and people who are yeah naturally entrepreneurial so yeah very nice that you ask a question <laughs> like that it's, it's basically exactly what i do so is the easiest thing i think is to to copy good examples i always have been doing that when i was younger but i still do it i actually we also have a podcast you might know it door setters and that's that's basically that's my best university and we invite entrepreneurs successful entrepreneurs that come and share their stories and you see quite some similarities between these entrepreneurs and which you can learn from and which can do something you can you can either do something with it or just let it pass but i think that is probably and sometimes it's your family but it can it can be anyone What I did learn was that regardless of all the advice and all the books that you read about it and, and, and whatever, in the end, it's you that have to decide how you are going to do it or whether you're going to do it or not. And there's no one else that can better feel what and how you have to do something than you, yourself. So when I was younger, I tend to speak to big captains of industries or big entrepreneurs. And then I would basically pose my question to them, like, okay, how would you deal with this situation? And then they gave me an advice and I decided to bluntly follow that advice and just do it. When I look back, I think, or with hindsight, I would say that didn't always work out because they never really knew the case as well as I did it. But I think it's, so I think you have to take on advice and then decide what your own opinion is. And take full responsibility for that from that point on. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And what you also mentioned is the taking action part. Because you can always learn from books and read about stuff and, and learn from a lot of people. Because all the information is out there right now. But I think the difference between a real good entrepreneur, I mean like you, is taking the action. I mean, you can think of an idea, but in the end you have to put it in practice. I think that's also a big, big difference. But I find it interesting in, indeed to, to know if, if it can be taught or that you have to have it some way naturally already. C can everybody be an entrepreneur? Is that something you would say? Anybody that basically, you have to have thick skin, I think, to, to do it. And it's not only the thick Skin, you have to like it. It's something that you are that you have to do for twenty four seven. It's 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 a real job. And if you don't enjoy 
having that full end responsibility, then it becomes tough because it's part of your life. It's, it's, it's only work, to be honest. You will still have your life that you have to live. So I would say anybody that likes it can be taught the skills to set up an, an entrepreneurship. I think it starts with really, yeah, enjoying it and, and, and wanting to do it see the purpose of it and if you don't see it then it becomes then it's not fun at all i would say yeah i can imagine it it the upside is probably big but the downside can also be bigger and you have to you have to yeah you have to take that risk also i think right yeah i see you think well what with, with the upside can be big well yeah how I look at entrepreneurs and, and entrepreneurship is that you take risk to gain rewards. No, wait. Do you know what I want to say? Well, I mean, you're there. objecting, so. No, no, it's, it's, it's more a question that I also ask myself very often. So I used to work for a drifters trader and not many people know that, but you earn a lot of money when you work for the drifters trading company. And I think I've worked for years for a way less salary than I could ever earn working for that industry again. So money is not the main driver. And you also don't know the outcome. Will it work out? Won't it work out? And it's also during probably the most, yeah, the best years of your life when you can fully give. So between the age of 20 and well, 35 or something before you get families or other occupations. So it's, it's, it's a bet. Not everybody succeeds at it. And, and it still can go wrong, to be honest. You never know. So, so that's not the main driver, I think. That's not what would drive me to do it. If it was for the money, I, I probably would, be, would have been a better choice to stick in the derivatives trading industry. However, obviously my companies became successful and if I would ever sell them, yes, then I probably would benefit from it as well. Maybe more than I would have benefited from staying in the drifters trading industry. Probably more. But I, you don't know, at least and not for the first couple of years. No, exactly. But, but do you think you have to like that quote-unquote risk, like that almost a hunt for the company or is I think and for me the driver was uh, having freedom and for me the, the the reason for starting my entrepreneurship was because I didn't want to sit still I want to I wanted to be creative and set up new things and 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 connect the dots and and figure out if I could basically sell it sell a product earn money based off an idea so if you're in it for the financial success only, then it becomes a tough job, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a reoccurring story I hear from entrepreneurs. So I think that's true. When you look back at the the adversity, the possible adversity you had with your first company, what were examples of things that you've encountered that you have learned from from starting um, the first one? So. so would you be able to rephrase the question a little bit? So yeah, yeah, sure. When you first started your first company, Gold Republic, what were things you encountered that you <laughs> learned from yeah. when you start yeah. a company that you could not have think of when when you started? Yeah, 
Well, obviously, the challenges of always come come up when you think about these things. But I'd, I'd like to start with the good things. I think one of the things that I learned is to all... You hear a lot of people always talk about pivoting and changing your, your model. I disagree to that. If you look at my business plan from... And I actually wrote a business plan because I initially wrote a business plan of Gold Republic for someone else who didn't didn't do it. If you look at the business plan of Gold Republic and what Gold Republic is now, it's exactly the same. It never changed. That is what we do. We sell physical gold, digital, 24-7 and store it in professional vaults. And we have a transparent administration and everybody would own the real title of gold, the real physical gold. It never changed. We never added other products. So I think what I've learned is, and with NXChange, we do exactly the same. And even though it's hard in the beginning, because you do, you're not certain whether the outcome would get you to the point that you have in mind before you start. But I think sticking to the plan, to plan A, is definitely something that works out long term. You have to have a long breath and you have to... Yeah, have to be impatient and patient at the same time to be able to do that. So that's one. And the second thing is, one, I took one very bad decision. That was when I moved away from plan A. At some point in time in 2011, 2012, the price of gold dropped by 40%, 30, 40%. So the whole interest in gold just dried up. And we had this Ferrari platform. It, it functioned perfectly, but we had no transactions. So, and yet, yeah, and thus no income, which was a problem. So we had to do something. So we had to either diversify and, uh, and add other products, but that would move us away from plan A, uh, or we had to expand to other markets. And I chose the latter one, and I chose to do that by offering our exact platform and the white label solution to, to, to third market players. And we found such a third market player, a large, large, large player in the, in the, in the market of gold. And we white labeled our, our platform, our software, and they loved it. They still use it, by the way. And it went so well that they said, can you not do more for us? Can you not also build an e-commerce solution? Because obviously your tech department is under control. You know how to build software. Can you do this for us as well? And I... I made the calculations and you were able to do this project and, 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 and make a profit of millions. We're not talking about one million, it was several millions. So that whole thought became so attractive to me because I thought if we do this, then we, and, and it, it was, it was in the proximity of, of, of seven or eight million. If we do this, then we have financial independence for the rest of our lives, basically, because that would give me enough money to set up something new or to do something, whatever. But did I like the project? No. It was an e-commerce solution. It was completely moving away from what we were actually do doing. And it was, and we did it. And it already, uh, even in the contract negotiation, uh, already we were, I was talking to my CEO. I said, do we really have to do this? Because it became so difficult. It was very political project within that company and and I already questioned myself but the only reason why I did it was to get financial freedom in the end and well yeah you you probably can already guess it, ne it didn't work out it nearly costed our companies uh, we eventually were able to step out of the product and still recoup some of the costs we made for it and we nearly went bankrupt and wow. but the choice to not stop doing 
we, we were on the wrong track. So we had to make, we could have ended it, but I think if we would have gone for that route and we would be dead probably by now, so we had to take a serious loss and nearly went bankrupt due to that serious loss to stop doing what we, to basically fix our wrong decision. And that was a very risky, not nice moment. But so what I learned from it is one is stick to plan A and two is if you make a wrong decision, make sure that you make a new decision in time. And we did, and we got out of it. And I think since then, our companies went really, really too well. When we got full focus again, doing what we do right now, still doing what our plan A is, and, and then things really took off. Wow. That must have been stressful at times as well, right? It was hell. <laughs> it was not- <laughs> how, did, how, how long did this take, all this this, this uh, endeavor? At the end of 2018, and I think by 2020, 21, we could say that we were definitely in a good position again. So it didn't take that long, but long enough for for me to be worried and, and not not exactly knowing if, 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 if it would work out, yeah. Wow. That I have, well, that could be stressful, and I can imagine that is not for everybody. I think a lot of people could have crumbled in those kind of situations, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think one of the the skills that you have to have as an entrepreneur is to not give up. Giving up is not an option. It's like you just have to move on and stay in motion and 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 seek for the for the exit right seek for 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 make sure you become a safe grant so well power to you i'm happy that you that you made it and rightfully so when you encounter such adversity in your company i know you value independence but do you were you alone on this journey i mean of course you had you were not alone in your company but did you have help from mentors or people that could guide you on your way through that adversity? Mm, yes, I definitely seek for advice, but no, it was, I think, in my case, because I don't have any co-founders or I do have a very strong team and my CTO is definitely my partner in crime, but in my case, I, I was eventually alone. Yeah, I'm a sole founder, so yes, that, that was something you had to do by yourself. I have to impressive. be impressive. Really impressive. Well, I mean, you don't have another option. <laughs> yeah, you can say, oh, I don't like this. I'm not going to do it. But there was no other option. Well, only that is, sounds like a strong characteristic. I mean, I think a lot of people could have fallen into victimhood or something or es- tried to escape from the situation, but you walked right through it, right? And I think... Yeah, I still think that it's impressive because I, I don't think everybody could do that in such times and look where it got you. I, I do want to say that, it, yeah, and that's maybe not very Dutch, but I'm not Dutch, so that helps. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? It cannot not work out. And then you start all over again. Like, it's not the end of the world. You don't die. Yeah, no. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, I think that that mentality definitely helped helped you. How would you describe, I mean, you elaborated already on it a little bit, when you bottomed out with your business and you were at the rock bottom almost, what were some specific 
characteristics of you that would take you back up you already touched on the what's the worst that could happen but for people that are at rock bottom right now or are scared to undertake some entrepreneurship what would you advise to somebody that's listening right now that needs some advice to get up well i think I wasn't rock, but I was below surface, to be honest. But I think, and I think a lot of people will be in that position at some point in time in their lives, whether it's being as an entrepreneur or personally or whatsoever. I think the best thing that you can do is stay on the move. If you don't have a, sometimes you really don't know where the exit is, right? If the house is on fire, you don't know where the exit is, then you have a problem. But if you stand still, then you certainly die. So I think continue and giving your almost your best, the best version of yourself and just stay on the move. At some point in time, you will see the exit. That's, That's a very that, good point. So I think that is, whether it's personal or, or, or in business. I think that's probably the best thing that you can do. And it's not only when the house is on fire, by the way. A lot of people ask like, okay, so how do I get started or what do I do? You have to be on the move. You cannot sit still. If, so, if you sit still, nothing will happen for sure. So for example, if you count the numbers that you are on social media or worse, watching TV or YouTube or I'm not talking about nice, good inspirational movies or good documentaries where you can learn something from, but just I don't know, pastime media. Imagine what you could do with those hours. It's amazing. So you could go out, you can meet people, you can talk about ideas, you can, you, you can do so, you can write business, you can write a book, you can do anything, but to sit still as a couch potato and do nothing, then nothing. <laughs> that, that's for sure. I agree. I agree. Yeah, there are so many opportunities out there. Just, just pick one. But the keep moving part, I, I really like that. There's literally no harm in just don't stop at what you're doing. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that says a lot about uh, about your character. I believe I find that really inspiring. When you have such an such a mindset, such a characteristics, such characteristics, um, that's one part. But then you always also have to find something. To project it on right you have to take something at hand to work with how did you find the direction where you are in right now i mean it's it's a specific direction yeah and that in the beginning was difficult because i wasn't a particular particularly a person that had like a, a good business ideas all the time and i really it was it's funny but it's like the concept that you that you think of something and that someone would actually buy it, that was a strange concept to me. So I never really trusted that that would actually happen, but it did. And therefore my mind is now more open. I have a lot of experience now, what does work, what doesn't work. So by now I know, okay, when I do something, this is how I approach it. And th this is A to Z. To be fair, when I started Gold Republic, I came from the trading industry, yes, but had no real idea of what it would mean to offer physical gold to a public. I wasn't really a gold bug. 
I did want to have some physical cultures as part of my investment portfolio. That's that's probably as far as it got. I could have set up a dentist framework or anything else. It doesn't matter. I don't think that it really matters what you do. What I do like is being creative and I do like software development a lot. But the actual product, anything is difficult if you start it off from scratch. So yeah, that is doesn't yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Again, yeah, just do it and then see if yeah. you can make it work. Whatever the idea is. Yeah, maybe that does answer my question because I think people, and I'm definitely speaking for myself as well, is that you can overthink the direction too much. And when you just start, you will know know along the way if it is the right journey or not, if it is the right path or not. So yeah, I think I think it comes down at just start and don't stop, <laughs> like you said earlier. Yeah, are you... Agreeing? Yeah. Okay. I wanted to touch on something you said in another interview is that you also started companies because you wanted to, uh, for example, I'm, I'm not saying that this was the specific example, but that you wanted to buy gold and that you noticed, oh, it's not really accessible to buy it. So I just solved it. Is that something you recognize is that did i notice that correctly you're just a problem solver basically so i that's that's how i started gold republic i wanted to buy gold and it wasn't physical gold was not as accessible paper gold was gold etfs any any form of but actually physical gold ownership wasn't accessible unless you would acquire you would be able to acquire 400 ounce bar which is investment grade gold but at, at this time, that would mean that you would need to make an investment of at least uh, approximately around 700, 725,000 euros only in gold. And it's just a part of your portfolio. So it limits you a lot to be able to make that investment in the right way. So yes, I solved that problem for myself. I did exactly the same with an exchange. I had an interest to invest in, in startups. To invest in only one startup, that's not smart because... That's basically, it's, it's worse than, a, than the chances you have at a casino. It might be a good idea, but you would never know. So investing in startups would mean that it's a numbers game. You have to invest in many, many startups. Well, if you're an angel investor and want to invest in a startup, just one, you would most of the time would need to bring somewhere in between 50 and 150,000 euros for the first time. But when they grow, you have to reinvest, etc. So how do you invest in multiple startups at the same time, not having a huge investment budget to be able to do that? And in and, and my terms, that uh, the numbers with startups are more or less on one, every 30 startups. There's probably, and that is, has gone through certain selection procedures, et cetera, by, by the right people with the right knowledge to be able to do that. Even though they went to that whole selection process, went to acceleration programs, all those kind of things, only one startup in 30 startups makes it to, to unicorn level or at least close to unicorn level. And then probably around 10 die and the rest can be sort of average in the middle. 
but you never know upfront which one it is and which 10 are going to die. So you actually have to invest in 30 startups all the time in certain teams. Well, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I have enough financials, but not enough financials to make multiple investments all the time in buckets of 30 startups. So I had to find a solution for that. And that's exactly what we built on Exchange, for example. The digital notary, again, it's, it's good, a good example. It frustrates me, even for myself, being an entrepreneur, having, having lying around all those physical shareholder registers, for example, or talking to a notary one that gives me a completely different answer than notary two and all those kind of things. So I just wanted to just make it in a, in a model that it would work for me. And then I thought like, okay, maybe others can use this as well. I love that. I, I think Tim Ferriss once said, scratch your own itch. I don't know if it's his quote, but scratch your own itch. If you have an itch, just scratch it and solve it. And that's basically what you did with your companies. I, I love the concept of an exchange, by the way. That, that The idea, I'm not in in not very invested in the sector you are so knowledgeable about, but the idea of curating companies and reducing the risk in a sector where the, p- the potential upside is so high. Yeah, a great idea. I was very excited to hear about that in, in the podcast with JJ, I believe. Yeah. Very, very informational and ed- educational podcast. How did you, this is a side note, but how did you get in touch with JJ? Oh, that's a funny story. <laughs> we got in touch with JJ through Madelon. She also is a very knowledgeable person on macroeconomics and all those kind of things. And they wanted to make a documentary about gold, Madeline and JJ together. And I met JJ and, and we had like sort of an immediate friendship. And he's such a creative person. Does so, so much cool things with his channels, such as Day One and, and What the Finance by this time. And we had a mutual friend, which we didn't know of. So... Yeah, I think that's how we started to do more and more things together. And uh, yeah, we have traveled twice now, first to South Africa and then to Dubai. And we have many more things doing, we're doing Angel Cafe together, of course. It's just a super cool event. Could you tell more about it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Angel Cafe. So in the Netherlands, we don't have a huge angel investment community. We actually don't have any investment community in the Netherlands. I don't know why, because we have the most amazing infrastructure for new businesses to start. We have great universities, we have a great infrastructure, but we don't have any investors. So the companies that start in the Netherlands, either they die because they don't get any money or don't get funded or they move abroad, they leave. So I decided that the one is, one is I like investing in startups. And I have the tools to be able to arrange it. And I feel kind of a, I, I have the capabilities to be able to arrange that funding for these startups. So, so, but you do have to do that in a proper way. So that's how we got to the bucket of startups that we offer. And now you have to work on education and, 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 and transferring knowledge about how, so when you invest in startups, how do you do that? And where, where, what do you take into account? So um, we started arranging Angel Cafe, an event that we do four times a year. The next Angel Cafe is going to be on the 19th of June, which is partly streamed online and partly physical. And I like the physical part of it a lot because, um, yeah, the last two Angel Cafes, about 300 people were there. A lot? 
experts pitching, we have professional investors speaking, we have scale-up companies doing sharing their stories, their learnings on everything what they do. And the people can also communicate with each other and exchange ideas and, and, and experiences on what to do and what not to do. And obviously the, the, the intent of us is, is, is on one side making sure that that we that that we bring those that we bring this topic on the table, but it's also a, a, a partly a, a piece of education and also yeah nice to form a community and to 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 share with others. I think it's a beautiful initiative. It's helpful for for business, but it is also very important, I guess, to to get together with like-minded individuals, right? Yeah. How. Is that among entrepreneurs, is there some competitiveness as well when you establish such a community? No, at least that's not what I feel. I think in the, in the first few years, I didn't have a lot of interaction with other tech entrepreneurs. But the last couple of, well, I would say one or two years, that became more and more. I just went on a very cool trip to first to Japan and to South Korea with 22 other tech entrepreneurs. And it was amazing because you can learn from each other, you can support each other, you can help each other out, you can exchange ideas. And that's all in a very friendly, and I see that others are also having connections with each other in a friendly environment. And yeah, I think if you if you are self-confident and you know what you do and what you can do, yeah, every entrepreneur has the downsides and the, and the shitty things that they have to deal with and hopefully also the good things to share with each other. So no, I don't think there's a lot of bad competitiveness mm -hmm. between other entrepreneurs. Having said that, in my business, I only focus on myself. I don't even look at other competitors. I don't even know what they do. I don't care. So I... I just focus on my products, how we bring that product across the table. Is it according to the standards? It's never because it can always improve, but is it according to getting close to the standards that you want to offer it to others? And don't let yourself get distracted by what others do. Just don't. It doesn't serve you anything. Interesting. Yeah, I, I heard Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. It's a marketing guy from, from America. But he always emphasizes on build your own bigger business instead of trying to break somebody else's business down. And I mean, that yeah. I think a lot of people still have the urge to be so competitive that they want to break the competition <laughs> down. <laughs> and yeah, I think it is very good that you focus on your own building yeah and usually generally the market is large enough for more players in the case of cold republic it was good for us that there were other others entering the market as well because in the beginning nobody had a clue why would you invest in physical gold and the fact that there is now there are more players in the market that educate about it etc so it, it sometimes can and the same counts for an exchange there are more platforms that are busy in the area of either crowdfunding or any type of funding or capital raise um, services. I think that's good. I think it's, it's not particularly bad, but I do think that you can lose a lot of focus by constantly being busy with what the others have that you don't. You yeah. can think about that for yourself and you need to prioritize that for yourself. And sometimes you have other budgets or other ideas and just don't get yourself too distracted too much. 
I think that's good advice for life in general. But of course, it requires some confidence. But I think I think that's completely true. I want to quote yourself. Okay. <laughs> I, re I read a funny quote from you. Let me look it up. It's in Dutch. So I have to translate it in real time. But it comes down at women who complain about their gender are usually looking for an excuse to not do something. Could you elaborate on that a bit? Okay, let's definitely rephrase that because I got all these angry women behind me. <laughs> I have to be honest. I am lucky. I'm brought up in a culture where the women have a different position, I think, than in the Netherlands. I'm born and raised in Curaçao, where the mother is oftentimes the mother, the grandmother, the one who takes care of the children, the one that basically earns the money because the fathers are either not known or not, not there or whatsoever. So many women in Curaçao have primary positions. In the time I was born and raised over there, we had a primary minister that was a woman. Nobody really asked that question. So when I got to the Netherlands, I thought I saw this thing about like gender diversity. And so it's not that I don't acknowledge that we have a problem sometimes in, in that corner. It's just that I don't feel it. I've never been in a situation where something did not work out for the mere fact that I was a woman. Absolutely not. And I do recognize that women are different than men. We are different species. <laughs> we have different yeah. characteristics. Right. And, <laughs> and sometimes it helps to figure out how a man, and so to think about how a man would react in a certain case or how they would respond in a certain case and sometimes learn from it and apply it as well. But, and yeah, I think, so I don't think that there's an excuse to not get somewhere because you are a woman. I just don't, I think I'm, I, I'm my own example that, that that's not the case. There are certain challenges. If you want to become an entrepreneur in general, whether you are a man or a woman, you have to make certain decisions, meaning full focus a lot of time, sometimes travel a lot. And that means that you cannot do certain things or you have to organize them in a way that you can still do them, like having a family or seeing your friends or doing other hobbies or whatsoever. So it's, 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 there's only 24 hours in a day. If you want to be, that's, by the way, it's not only a problem for women. I think, I think it's also a problem for Gen Z at this moment. I see a lot of, and I'm really happy with that because we have a, well, I'm really happy with the developments that I currently see. We have, our, the average age in our companies is about 25 years. And we have, we, we give total freedom to everybody. How often you want to work? Do you want to work three days a week, five days a week? It's up to you. Obviously, you get paid accordingly. But then we get, the person that works three days a week and the one that works five days a week. Obviously, the one that works five days a week gets more experience, grows faster, earns more money. And yeah, the person that works three days a week, yeah, they can only allocate three, three days a week towards that job. So their growth goes less. Sometimes they often, they also do other uh, things in the other two days. And that means that they cannot focus on, so they have to do two days this and three days, something else. And yeah, that, that means something for their growth and how successful they become in something because you have to invest time and energy in something to make it work. Otherwise, it just doesn't happen. So like staying on the move. So 
If you are a woman and feel that you, for example, want to have a family and feel that you want to work three days a week, which is your total right to do so, then but expect that you can compete with someone that works, whether it's a man or a woman, that works five days a week and earn the same salary and make the same career path as someone that works five days a week, I think then you make the wrong assumptions. That's just not feasible. It's physically not feasible. So that is, I think, what I meant with that, with that particular, particular quote. And for the rest, yeah, I think it's also a lot in, I think it's, it's probably also has to do with self-confidence and embracing who you are. Don't try to be different, whether you're a woman or a different culture or a different whatever. Just embrace who you are and just use your capacities and, and and takes to your best advantage and yeah don't don't be too worried about whether you're different or not just make it work makes sense yeah i think often it gets too emphasized on the differences uh, when you can just focus on the specific capabilities one person has so yeah i, I found it a, a funny quote but of course it <laughs> in the end it, it really does not matter right but what does matter and what you touched on is embrace who you are and how do you how would you describe yourself as a leader because i think you are because you managed the things you, the way you did and also how did that transition from having one company to the companies you have all together right now i mean there must have been certain shifts in the way you assert your leadership right I think in the beginning, I tried to I tried to conform myself to what was expected of me, uh, whether it was how I dressed or how I did things. I worked for for a company which was very analytical, so there was no gut feeling or no intuition allowed. It was all according to how would you do certain things and work it out rationally completely, and that was okay because it's if you especially in the beginning if you're new to the job basically it helps if someone for example be how you dress even how you dress that always that's where it starts the first impression that someone gets from you is super important and it, it, it determines basically how they listen to you how you how they react to you at first sight and then you can dive deeper and just get them to let to know you etc so uh, my father was very adamant about make sure you dress right whatever Whatever happens, that's the first impression that you can get. So in the beginning, I really tried to live up to what everybody expected from me. And as a leader, I would say I was total, I was so extremely goal-focused that I didn't take any person, idea, or whatsoever serious that would be in the way of basically getting to my goal. And those two things kind of changed over the years. So I was definitely able to reach my goals because I would go for them no matter what. And I didn't have any things being in my way because how I looked and how I behaved was definitely conform what everybody expected. And now that kind of changed uh, a little bit. So I became a bit softer in terms of how to reach my goals. I think, I, think, I think there are many ways to reach a goal. And sometimes it's, 
is okay if it doesn't go exactly as to how you would do it. And sometimes that costs a little bit of time, but it makes it possible to reach more than one goals at the same time. So if you do only if you only do it by yourself, then that's fine to just go for that one goal. But if you have three companies to run, you certainly cannot do everything by yourself. So you have to be okay that certain people do reach certain goals in other ways than you would have done it. That helps. And I, on top of that, that means that you have to give a lot of trust to the people around you. And I decided that I can only give trust to people that are people that I really trust, whether they are young or old. And which people do I really trust? It's the, basically the no assholes. I have quit every relationship, whether it's a customer or employee or whatsoever, that I'm incapable of, of drinking a beer or a glass of wine or a Coca-Cola, whatever, at the bar with. If I don't like the person, if I don't have an, a good connection with the person, if I don't trust that person with my personal stories, whether it's, it's, it's friendly or so not work-related, then I should not work with that person because I spend too much time with that person to not being able to trust that person. So that's what I did and rigorous, rigorously. So all the people that work in our companies, I trust very deeply. I accept that they do things different than I do. And for the... The other part, yeah, I just became okay. If people don't like how I look or how I dress or how I make certain decisions, I'm totally fine with that now. <laughs> I just accepted <laughs> that. And I decided to just do it in a way that, that, that's how I do it and enjoy it. And if they don't like it, then that's also okay. But it took me obviously some time to get there because I'm not reliant of others anymore. I was in the beginning. So, so that's the benefit of being independent in a certain way. I think that's a beautiful transition. And I think that's a really logical transition as well, because at first you are very at the, at the micro level, trying to control everything. And, and then when you get more experienced like you are, then you, then you are able to zoom out a bit more and delegate stuff because you, like you said, you trust the people and we are agreeing on the direction we're in. So then you are able to let go a bit more and then move forward altogether. But how do you check in with, with multiple companies? How does that work for somebody with, with several companies? Do you do, you do it on a weekly level, daily level? Yeah, so I, COVID definitely helped with that. So one of... The most important things, I think, is that everybody knows the purpose. What are you trying to achieve? That's, that's number one. If, you, if people don't know what, you're, what you want to achieve, then you, you cannot expect from that that they would get there, right? So that's basically the one and only most important thing that I focus on, making sure that everybody knows where we are heading to and what is, is necessary. And then two is if you give people a lot of freedom, then you, there's one very important rule is that they think with their heads on their bodies when they do stuff. So as if they would do, do it for themselves. So I am very, very much focused on that. I don't care why I, I care about, I don't care if they make a mistake or if they fuck things up or whatsoever, as long as they have really did the 
think process really properly well and and really went deep before they made a decision and made that decision with full consciousness and not just out of nothing. That is what I am very, very on top of. And that's also what I ask from everybody. As long as they can promise me that, then they're fully okay. They can do whatever. They can spend money. They can do stuff in a way that they think is responsible. So that is the second thing. And then the third thing is, for communication purposes, we, since COVID, everybody worked on different locations, especially in the beginning, we let it loose at some point in time, but we just, we made an agreement on how we would communicate with each other. And that was that we have a standard every day. Uh, in the beginning, it was with one group and later on, we split it up in multiple groups. So I think I start my day at 9 a.m. and then I have five standards. One at nine, one at nine fifteen, nine one nine thirty, one nine forty five, ten and ten, yeah, ten five. So at ten fifteen, I'm done, and obviously there are more than five groups with three companies. So I cannot attend all the standouts. There are others that can also attend certain standouts, and some of them I, I made sure that all the connections, all the dots were connected. So, for example, when we speak with our management team. Then someone else has spoken to the IT team for that specific part. And then we can share that in the management team. So everybody's up to date. So since COVID, we ne- before COVID, we definitely had situations where one of the most commons in our employee base, where, and we would sit in the same office with everybody in one big office garden. The number one comment that was always made was, I don't exactly know what we are doing or where we are heading or what who's working on what well that comment fully stopped everybody knows who's doing what and why and how and it's also it became a sort of self-hygienic situation because if you are in a stand-up with each other and, and what, what what is shared and it's only 15 minutes and it starts on time and ends on time because otherwise you cannot mean stand-up shares what they've done and what they're going to do today So suppose that you are whatever position you have and that every day you make the comments for, I don't know, I am working on this, but I still haven't worked it out. By the fifth time, then the group starts to react. So like, okay, what do I do? Because I cannot really listen to this story anymore. So it helps. It helps to share with each other and to do that very disciplined every day and to always be in time and, and stop at time. So, so that's, that's how I think I, yeah, the combination of that and giving full trust to people that from that moment on and knowing what the purpose is and communicate with each other about it and respect each other. That's how we do it. And it work, for us, it works out. I don't say that it's the best remedy for every company, but at our size, in our industry and in the companies that we have, that this works really well. Interesting. Very inspiring that you are able to keep track of such companies all at the same time. But it it seems like a very logical way to do it indeed. What I'm also curious about, times are changing, of course, always. For a lot of people, this you could call this very peculiar times financially, a lot of economically, but also politically. There's a lot of things shifting. You mentioned Japan before that you were there to uh, to do business. How do you cope with those kind of changes? I have the luck, but probably also the conscious. I've made the conscious choice to have a one part of my business is cyclical, 
meaning an exchange, Gondex, are companies that tend to do well when things are going well. And the other part of my business is heavily anti-sick. So obviously you can figure out which one of the two is doing the best at the moment, which is Cold Republic. But that at some point in time that will change and then we need the other companies to be there. So that doesn't mean that under the current conditions, N-Exchange and MX are not doing well. I think considering the situation and, and what is going on in the world, they are doing very good, actually. But if that would be the only thing that I would need, that I would be reliant of, I would certainly start thinking about on how long this would take. Because I I. I don't know, nobody knows, but it could certainly take a long time before this is resolved, if not get worse. So I think it's diversification in my case that makes me still very relaxed and just be on top of it. And just, we already could see this coming for an exchange in Bondex in 2018, beginning of 2019. That's when the gold market started to pick up. That was when everybody was still in their happy moment. We could already see that there was some certainty, uncertainty getting into the market because of our revenues in the gold part started to pick up. So that's why we made conscious decisions within an exchange, for example, to focus purely focus on impact. And that the products that we offer on impact on on an exchange are also products that you would still st- that are still smart to invest in in high inflationary times. For example, if, if you would currently invest in the large in large tech scale-ups or even further than that, then you would have a problem because stocks are very overvalued if not already dropped or are dropping. Fixed income products that don't have a variable interest component, also not a smart thing to invest in. So you have to think about which products are still smart to currently invest in, which is anything that the government can print, <laughs> which is gold on one side, but venture capital early stage startups is definitely from out of all of the investment categories, something that is interesting to invest in. So that's why we picked that. And then taking into consideration that we really have a problem on a global scale with ending resources and climate problems and everything that's happening on that side. I think it's, 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 it's yeah, fair to say that any company that is currently not being sustainable anymore will eventually just be out of the league. So you have to only being sustainable or making impact is a prerequisition for a serious investment. If you would ask me, because otherwise you don't have your, 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 so if you invest in a company that currently is not following that up, that company certainly at some point in time will get into trouble because either the public won't buy their products anymore or they will come into serious financing issues because they don't get funded anymore or whatsoever. So so I think you have to be ahead of the eight ball and fix it. But certain things you cannot fix. You cannot fix that 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 this high inflationary situation. You have to deal with it. So and and I think part I'm lucky. I, I questioned myself millions a zillion times. Because I saw all my, my colleagues getting large investments in from, from VCs or private equity companies. And I was always self-funded. I bootstrapped the company mainly. So, and by now, that has been the reason why I was because I, I really, I, I was, when you have to ask for investment, 
you become into a, a dependent situation because you present something to someone and then they have to say, okay, I'm going to invest in you. And I, I didn't want to get in that position. I, I would welcome an investor, but I didn't want to, to get into a position where I would ask someone from something from someone and they would reject me. I, I, that was not possible. So I had to do it myself. So I oftentimes ask myself like, oh, good. My company grow more if I get more investments in it. Probably it could, but now I'm in a very comfortable position because I don't have any majority investors, and and the company is run out of their own revenue. So I I'm I, I I'm happy with that. But that was luck. That was because I couldn't <laughs> get myself to go to others and ask for. I did obviously. I tried a couple of times, but I hated it. So, so I stopped doing it. I can imagine, especially if you value your independence so much, it must be a very good position to be in where you are right now, being independent in such a good company. So we touched on your history, your beautiful companies, about your mindset on your whole journey, which is to me is a very a big part of your success. What does the future hold for Marlene Everts. Uh, just be happy. Hmm. No, be happy. Honestly, I think uh, feeling happy and, and good and doing the things that you like, uh, I like doing, is super important to me. Do you have more itches to scratch? Oh, pro- oh for sure. 100%. But I also want to first make sure that uh, but it's done. It's uh, it's not done, but it's it, it can improved be improved but it's, others are better at that job than than i am but uh, with with uh, bonnex and and nxs we are just getting started and there's that's a lot of work so and i like to focus oh and well there's one it's not an itch because it's just something i really love doing but i i really like my my dorsage part it's where my create where i could let my creativity go loose and Dorset is for me is so it's it's a central podcast but around it we have a whole network of people we travel together we just went to Dubai we do stuff that is and and this is the my first venture I call it a venture it's a venture eventually it will make money one one way or the other but it doesn't have a budget it doesn't have a real business plan it doesn't have an expectation we just do it And the only rule is that what we do is that we find it interesting and that we learn something from it and that we enjoy the ride. And, and that is like, that is, that is so much fun. So yeah, maybe, but and what do I mean with so much fun? I just love being there. Just when these podcasts, I don't do the podcasts myself. These are done by, by two of my very good friends, uh, Ruth and Richard. But I just love being there to listen to those podcasts. And, and yeah, normally you would expect like, okay, would you, I'm busy with, I just, but this is really my project that I just love doing. But that also means that I, for example, I listen to all of them. I, I, I think, okay, what are the biggest learnings out of these things? Or what does the thumbnail look like? Or what quote is taken? And obviously, I don't do it by, all by myself, but I, I, I do this one by myself. Yeah, I take full and responsibility for everything and it needs to be perfect. And it's not perfect. It's far, far from perfect yet. But it's a funny business because it's no business plan and no revenue and nothing but something will come out of it for sure sounds good well i think it is noticeable that the fun you have with it it shows because yeah the podcast is 
very entertaining. It's also very educational because obviously there are very skilled people, knowledgeable people in the podcast, and somehow they are very natural behind the, the microphone. So uh, yeah, it is, it's fun to watch. And I think it will be successful eventually because you have proven your record already. <laughs> I don't know. It, I, it doesn't, it, it will be, but if it's in this form, it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's the, that's a nice refreshing thing of it. It doesn't matter. One of the things I'm also doing uh, behind the scenes is we, I'm recording a lot of personal information with all these guests. So for my, mostly for me. So because I, I have questions, I have a lot of questions, like how, how, why did they do certain things? And, and I love to document it, whether it's video or photos or text or, or those kind of things. And at some point in time that need to get out and now it's only for me, but I feel the urge to share it at some point in time. So, and it, yeah, that's what you do as well, right? You, 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 by doing this podcast, you learn so much from the guests. It's like, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's funny. It's like someone is willing to sit there and share their stories and just spend time on doing that. And, and only that itself is probably worthwhile doing yeah. only one person listening to it. So yeah, yeah that's yeah, it's a, it's a, a podcast is a, is a crazy concept itself to, I mean, I wouldn't have met you without having this podcast and i wouldn't have have met bart or the other persons that were on my podcast and somehow it's a really great way to connect with one another it's promotion for all of us it is fun to learn so yeah it is it, it is a great concept I, i believe i would recommend it to anybody you yeah. will learn a lot from it yeah and also as a listener i listen to a lot of podcasts I like it. I have to walk my dog all the time. So it's basically a very easy way of gathering information or, or stuff without having to read a book or sit somewhere. Just You can just do something else while, <laughs> while listening to yeah. it. And you can fast forward if you don't like certain pieces or you, yeah. No, so it's, it's definitely something that adds value, I think, in the media world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the, the fun thing about it is, Of course, I prepare stuff and I already know you from the internet. So not all of it was new to me, but a lot of it was new to me. But for the listener who didn't know you until now, it's so, it's so fun that everything was new to them. So they gain so much knowledge from it. And that's funny to, to hear that feedback as well, that they were like, for example, the podcast with Bart there was some feedback i didn't know anything about gold or bart or gold republic and i'm starting to invest in in gold as we speak yeah. well that's that's a crazy that's a crazy idea to me so yeah that is i'm very <laughs> grateful for it it shifts sometimes i have some right now from alex hormozzi marketeer as well i have different topics as well so I am starting a podcast right now, so I am listening to other podcasts who also podcast, like your podcast, for example. But when I am discovering something in my health, I listen to a podcast about that or uh, the podcast from Gold Republic when I wanted to know more about investing in gold. So it, it shifts in, in different cycles. How, how do yeah. you experience that? 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think it definitely concerns the topic, but I recently discovered the diary of a CEO. Mm, yeah, definitely. very good. Yeah. You have a specific because, uh, guest you liked? I'm t- I'm, I was listening to the one of Simon Sinek um, mm-hmm. yesterday. It's amazing, but it was it was not so much about business, but more about like personal relationships and 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 how, yeah, how the world is developing in that part, and it was super interesting. And obviously, it depends on the guest, but uh, yeah, that's one that I really like. And yeah, dep- I, I also shift uh, sometimes, but this one is definitely one that's high on my list. Yeah, I like the diversity in the guests all as well at the Diary yeah. of a CEO. Sometimes I'm also into mixed martial arts, fighting, and sometimes there is a fighter or sometimes there is a CEO or some, someone in business or all kind of guests. And indeed, it has. it's, it's like you are in the diary of, of yeah. the person. It's a very personal conversation. So I definitely like that. And the editing skills are amazing. Insane. Yeah, it's trailers. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, we touched on a lot of very interesting topics. Do you have any last one touching advice for the listener? <laughs> Inspire them. Yeah, trust your instincts. I think it's there for a reason. Well, that that's a very good one. That is a very good one. And where can people find you? You can all you can name all. <laughs> oh yeah, no, um, yeah, professionally. That's definitely my platform that I communicate most with professionally, which is where I can find, be found on the market with a TS set. Sometimes people forget either the S or the Z. And personally on, on Instagram, which is Marlene Averts as well. And those are the two most platforms. I, I am on, 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 on all the other social media parts, but I, I don't, I'm not super active on them because otherwise I don't have time to work in there are so many channels out there. It's, mm-hmm. it's insane. And I also like to add to that for the Dutch listener, the Doorsetter podcast. Oh, yeah, the Doorsetters. Yeah, but yeah, that's, 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 especially I, I would, fo- if you would follow Doorsetters, I would very much appreciate that because it's amazing the guests that we get there. It's just getting started. Uh, I think you're now on the 17th episode or something. But I think what's happening behind the scenes, behind the Doorsetters podcast, I would keep an eye on that. And that is, that is something that, because that's very personal. This what you see, everything, like a, everything that is shown in doors at this is because I value it for myself. It's not because I, it's, it's, it's not what I just explained. So, so that is a very personal thing. Yeah. That is, that's funny. Yeah. Thanks for Perfect. listening. Yeah, of course. And also the podcast on the Gold Republic channel. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very insightful on the macroeconomics and gold and yeah. also a lot of politics involved. It's specific. Yeah, yeah. So the English version of our, we have recently launched also an English channel called Public English Channel on YouTube. And it's done by one of my colleagues, Alexei Joinanov. He, pu- he pu- publishes something every two weeks. He's normally mostly active behind the scenes, but he's now in front of the scenes and it's going really well. He has amazing, he only approaches amazing international guests and yeah, he has done the first two and I think I'm proud of him. He's, he's done that really well. Yeah. Oh, wow. So good to hear that. I will definitely check it out. Yeah, Sorry? The macroscopic. So we have Goudwurz from, from Bart, of course, and we have a macroscopic from Alexei Jordanov. Sounds good. Well, a lot of channels to discover for the listener yeah. uh, i would recommend them all 
and I want to thank you for all of your knowledge, for your inspiration, and of course for your time. Thank you very much.